Thank you for listening to Tex-Mex at the Northern Border. Hello, this is Amanda Mendoza-Hawkins, the Tex-Mex at the Northern Border. Uh, Today we have Brittany Britt Moscone, and she is here to share her beautiful story about her walk with Christ and her childhood and her marriage and her being a mother and how that came about and how she found Christ. Um, She's got four beautiful children with Mario, two that are here with us on earth and two that are in heaven. She has a beautiful ministry that's called the Heartbeat of Hope. And she's a homeschooling mom and also a realtor. And she's just an empowerful woman that um, has dedicated her adult life to empowering and encouraging women. And, um, and when she was on her walk, she had stumbled a little bit, but Christ was there to pick her up and make her whole again. And she's just going to come here today and just give her powerful testimony on the love of Christ and how he never leaves us. And she's going to go ahead and just share that beauty with us. Hello, Brittany. How are you, Britt? Hi, I'm great. <laughs> Thank Good. you for that introduction. Yes. Um, yes, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Uh, for some of our past viewers, Amanda Alphonse, who gave her testimony last year about her upbringing and um, her walk with Christ and how she was how God basically made a way from nothing for her. Um, we met, she put us together and, um, cause of through her ministry, she just meets beautiful people and speaking with Brit just a couple weeks ago, we just decided, Hey, let's get this out there because it's something that touches so many families and so many people and God will never leave us behind. He's never going to leave us forsaken and he's never going to leave us lonely and hurt and Christ was there to save her and just fill her with um, love and peace. So she's going to go ahead and tell us her testimony. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I'm so glad Amanda introduced us. I love Amanda. She's awesome. She is. Her and I, um, we just clicked right away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're like, she's like my yin, or the yin to my yang, if you will. But um, no, I... I definitely um, have had the pleasure of being able to speak in front of um, a lot of women through just different avenues over the past couple of years um, when I had started my ministry. And it really, it's just kind of encouraging me to keep going um, because every time I have the chance to speak, I, I, I just get so much positive feedback from people that, you know, literally find out, find my number and they call me and they're like, I just felt like I had to talk to you. You know, you, you helped put hope back into my life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I need to find Christ again and all these different things. And I'm like, that's just so amazing. Cause for so long, I, I didn't really want to talk about it. Cause I'm not, not that I was like afraid to tell my story. It was more about, I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about what Christ did for me. Right. So um, that is what I'm going to kind of go into today. But before I get into my actual story, I kind of have to lay the foundation of my Yeah, I just kind of wanted to hear a little bit about your childhood and about yeah. your family upbringing and about if God was a part of your upbringing and a part of your family. And if so, who was, you know, who was the person that kind of brought, introduced you to, to Christ and God? Yeah, for sure. So um, 
I grew up pretty Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we you went, grew up here in Michigan? Yes, okay. always in Michigan. Yep. Uh, actually, I grew up not too far from here um, in Chesterfield area, but um, I live up in St. Clair now. But yeah, so we, you know, we were like regular practicing Catholics. We would go pretty much every Sunday, every Christmas and Easter and mm-hmm. say the Lord's Prayer before bed and that kind of thing and um, pray before meals. But that was like kind of the extent of it. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't um, have my, I wasn't ever coming into the living room and seeing my parents reading the Bible and we didn't go to the Bible for issues, mm-hmm. you know, as, as much as we should have as, you know, especially being Christians, that's by definition, um, we should be going to God's word. Right. Right. Um, but that's kind of, you know, we were more practicing a religion rather than having a real relationship with the Lord. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to be offensive at all towards Catholics or really any religion at all. This is just my story and kind of, you know, my journey on how, where, where God saw me at and where he took me from point A to point B to prepare me for right. the things that I had to experience in my life. Um, I feel sometimes in life, I kind of just had this kind of hone on me in the past couple of years is that I feel like religion and church is almost like an introductory to God and Christ, mm-hmm. you know, to, to say, this is who they, this is who they are. Mm-hmm. This is introducing you to them, but really uh, you're not going to have a true relationship with God or Christ through just church or religion. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just someone who opens up the door and says here, you know, they should be like, welcoming and helping you and just basically telling you, open up the Bible, pray, let God work into your life, let God pour into you. Right. And so that's really kind of how I look at it. I don't really, I don't go to a denominational church. I just call myself a Christ follower. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because I felt like, um, and I didn't really realize it as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think anything of it back then, but, um, you know, as we, uh, Sorry, no, I'm like you're looking good. at my notes, but um, we didn't rely on, like I said, I was saying, God's word nearly enough. But you know, to we we had we had our firm foundation as a religion rather mm-hmm. than that relationship. So that's we were following Catholic, you know, Roman Catholic traditions, not right. um, not just following Christ alone. Um, but you kind of like I don't. I don't know if you ever experienced anything in the Catholic religion, but um, you kind of grow up f- like looking at God as like a um, kind of the spirit in the sky with a gavel in his hand, you know, like constantly yeah. like judging and and stuff like that. So making um, you feel bad, yes. always having guilt. Yes, yes, and and that's what I felt like. Catholicism was more about the gospel of grace plus works, mm-hmm. and these works are created by the Catholic. Um, Roman Catholics thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. And when I started to peel back the layers of that um, and all that kind of stuff, I just realized like, wow, there's so many things that I, I really thought were truths as Mm -hmm. a Catholic when, when I actually took the time to read the Bible and I'm like, it wasn't there. That's not even in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) like, hold on a second. So like, or contradicting. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like for example, you know, you, you grow up thinking you have to get baptized as a baby Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, make your first sacrament and then to gain heaven. And, um, 
And then there, if you like read the Bible, there's not even one example of a baby being baptized. No, throughout not the at entire, all. or the it whole. It has to do coming to Christ and forgiven of your sins, right? Because if you look at what the definition of baptism is, that's exactly it. And a baby can't make that decision, you right? Know? Um, and, and then the Jews, they did more of like Passover repentance right. or they would do temple on the Sabbath or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was more of their tradition. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to is rituals and traditions that were all created by humans. And um this idea and belief that like one human is higher or more holy than another human, you know, meaning priesthood and whatnot. Right. It's just ludicrous to me because, you know, uh, it talks about it in James 5, 16, Jesus teaches us all that, that we were, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. And, um, you know, it's not about the works because there's nothing that we can do on this earth that is going to make us better than any other human. No. Because the work has already been done by Jesus on the cross. Jesus. Yeah. And that's what, you know, is just so skewed is because you grow up thinking like, I have to do all these things, all these works. And like, it's just so not true. But anyways, I, there's so much to that, that I could talk forever. And that's really not, I just kind of have to, like I said, lay the foundation of where my thinking and my faith or lack thereof was and where God met me and carried me. And I really do feel like he unveiled a lot of this, um, information or whatever, um, it is to prepare me and to prepare my heart for, um, what I was going to experience. Um, so because basically where I was, where I was coming from, you know, none of like all of those thoughts didn't just come out of thin air, you Mm -hmm. know? So I had a surface level religion belief Mm -hmm. and, that was not going to be enough for what I had to experience later in life. Right. And because I believed in a religion, I didn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference for there sure. There is a big difference. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, as a kid, I, uh, I was pretty, I had a pretty normal childhood. I, um, there was a time where I actually felt drawn. I, feel, I, I don't, I didn't think of it back then, but looking back, definitely because started around the age of six and maybe went to like eight or nine. And I started like collecting Bibles and I mm. created this holy table in my room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like I wrote out on a piece of paper, holy table and like taped it to yeah. the thing. And I would just sit at this table, like praying and reading my Bibles and for like a few years there. And my mom, I'm sure she thought it was weird, but like she used to tell everyone I was going to be a nun and like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, but like where I just, I think back like, where did that even come from? You know, it was God building you. It was the Holy spirit preparing you. Right. Yeah. So you, he would, you would always see his light. Yeah. It's you know? crazy. Yeah. You know, so, I think God has a lot of, a lot of grace, yes, you know, on more people grace than with anything. religion. <laughs> I mean, I think he understands that there's just so much out here and so many people that are trying to sell the Bible in a different way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you get through all of that white noise and you really open it up and let it fill you, even at its most simplest, mm-hmm. like you said, with your little holy table, with mm-hmm. your little sign stuck there, it, it <laughs> stuck with you. And it was something that carried you later on. And he yeah. was there right when you right when you needed him. He was there. He's like, I've never left you, Britt. Right. I've been here to really get closer to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how, like, for sure. And I feel like that's how he is with, I mean, 
so many people that he is always throwing out these reminders of like, Hey, I'm here. Mm -hmm. This is, I want to, I want you to come to me. I want to show you who I am. Right. And so many of us stray. And that's what I did. You know, I got into the high school. I always was able to keep my good grades up and my sports and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I, really kind of started gravitating towards the darkness a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, I got into that, Hey, I'm just having fun, but I'm partying every weekend and yeah. doing stuff. I shouldn't be every single weekend. And, you know, I, uh, I didn't think anything of it cause I was able to justify it. Like, well, I'm still getting good grades. I'm still doing this. And, you know, yeah. until, um, I actually ended up in the hospital a few times because of pills that I took. And, um, I was actually told by a doctor that I almost went into cardiac arrest one of the times. Mm. And that still wasn't enough for me because mm-hmm. I was like just so concerned about having fun. And How old were you when that happened? I was in high school. You are in high school. So yeah. you're a teenager, mid-teens. Yep. Yeah. And then um, after high school, I got into a really bad car accident. And that finally kind of, I'm like, I got to rethink my life here. And um, I was going to college, be a dental hygienist. And at the same time, I um, fell in with some people and I kind of started a leadership development company of my own. And I started reading just new material, new things that I've never really um, had access to before. And a lot of leadership and personal development stuff. So it was like John Maxwell and Zig Ziglar and Dale Mm -hmm. Carnegie and all these like awesome books that are also, um, they have Christian principles in them. So it was like restoring my, um, my thinking (laughs) and also my faith. And I was kind of like shedding, you know, the old Brittany a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really felt myself changing and growing and it made me expand my mind and really start thinking about my life and also my faith a lot. So during these years, um, I met my husband who obviously was my boyfriend at the time and we started dating and he was Catholic too. So Mm -hmm. naturally we found a Catholic church to go to, um, five minutes from our house. And, um, we went for years. We were actually, we had gone for like six years at this time. And one day I walk in and I just felt like something. I just was like, I don't know. I something's weird. Like I just, I'm looking around and I kind of heard my own self ask myself, like, why are you here? And I couldn't answer the question. And I'm like, Mario, we need to find a different church. <laughs> and he's like, what? Like naturally he was very surprised. Um, cause he was comfortable where he yeah, was he at, was- you know, he liked the little, uh, old cathedral church. It was Mm -hmm. built in 1800 something. And, um, it was five minutes from our house. We were in a comfortable, um, routine where we would go get breakfast, come home, lounge around all Sunday, you know? So I just, me being who I am, of course, I had to make it uncomfortable. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, something was just nudging me. And which obviously now looking back, I know it was the Holy spirit, but so we were mentoring with, um, these people at the time, they were kind of like our business and spiritual mentors. And they suggested a church to us and it was 45 minutes away from our house. And we went Mm -hmm. and, um, it was so different. And, but when that, when the pastor got up and talked, I was like, oh my gosh, this, I, I think he, just like wrote this talk for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like um, I remember searching around in my purse and like looking for a note 
uh, like a piece of paper and to a write pen down to take stuff. notes. Yeah. And I'm like, am I allowed to do this? Like, cause like in the Catholic church, like you are afraid to even breathe, you know? You're right. And let alone like take notes. So I'm like, oh my God. They probably have some cardinal come down, yeah. you know, from a zip line and be like, what are you writing over exactly. there? It was very odd how the other day when we met at Panero Bread and yeah. then all of a sudden that priest with the collar oh, was on the other side of the wall. Funny. And it was when, you know, I was like, yeah, my dad grew up Catholic and he said, I've done my time. I'm never going back into the church again. And he never did. And I look up and you're like, yeah, there's a priest right there that on the other side. Was like, funny. Oh, oh, yeah. There he is. <laughs> That I, I couldn't. Right that couldn't have been more like perfect timing. This always <laughs> happens to me. I'll say things, and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. right there." You know, God has a sense of humor. Yes, all the time, <laughs> all the time. So, anyways, um, it was it was amazing. And my husband and I on our drive home, we were like, "Okay, well, we're gonna start coming here to Cornerstone," mm-hmm. and we made that drive uh, 45 minutes every Sunday, and. Um, you know, little did I know at the time God was, he led me there because, um, I was going to need that church if, a few years, um, later. So, so that's sort of like a little bit of the background of how God prepared me for what was about to happen. Um, and so, you don't see these things until after the fact. Oh gosh, no. You I know, did I'm not... starting to see it now, like how, <laughs> how God's been stacking things for years now. Yeah. I did not think anything of it during that. Mm-hmm. I can tell you. And because this wasn't like a quick like, oh, I'm just going to go over here now. And I'm just like, this was, this took some years, you mm-hmm. know, like um, all of the, all of the things that God was doing that now in hindsight, I can look and see like, wow, it's, it's just so obvious. You know, it's like, there's no hiding God's work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, during it, um, I, I was not thinking, oh, God's sending me this message so I can move to, I was not thinking that at all. I was, I was like, what's funny is I was the person that was like going to defend like the Catholic religion to the end too. Right. And all of a sudden, like I've, I'm having like, I don't know. I'm just, it was so strange. It is when the whole, it's almost like when the Holy spirit reveals something to us, like God will have a lot of grace on sins that we do. But once he tells us through the Holy spirit, like, Hey, knock it off or you got to change this other thing. Things will get a little bit harder if we try to resist because now he knows that we know. Right. And so you're not supposed to be doing it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's weird. Like, I'm glad you said that. Cause like, I am someone who resists like change or mm-hmm. like, cause I think I know it all, you know, I'm like very yeah. control freak and it's just a natural that. human. And instinct. I just went with, like I followed what my heart was telling me mm-hmm. and I'm not normally a person like that. In 2016, my husband and I became pregnant with our first child. Um, and we had found out that we were having a baby girl so obviously I could not have been more excited. Yeah. <laughs> My husband wanted a boy so bad to be his first, but he got over it. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember telling my husband specifically that I want to wrap the love of God around this pregnancy mm-hmm. and we would like pray over this, oh, over my stomach every night. We would like just make sure that we had God in this pregnancy mm-hmm. and, Um, you know, like I said, during it, like you don't think of it, but I think now it's because 
where I was in my faith. Mm -hmm. I had grown so much over the course of that few years of God working on me than I had ever grown in my faith over the course of my whole life. Right. And so I think that's where it was kind of all stemming from. But um, I just remember being so intentional about making sure like this little girl is going to know God from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway... Um, my whole pregnancy, I felt amazing, except the very, very beginning. I was super sick, but then I just, I felt so good. Like mm-hmm. I was energetic and I, I worked out the whole time. I even went, I did like a three mile walk, like a week before I was due mm-hmm. <laughs> with my yeah. friend and never felt better. And in fact, I was pregnant with my sister. Um, at the same time. And she like hated me because she was so miserable and I was so like happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the nine months of being pregnant, I remember that I, I would see this Bible verse everywhere and it was be still and know that I'm God, Psalm forty six ten, And I like, you know, like I keep saying, but during that, I, I kind of just thought, Oh, this is cute. Like I keep seeing this everywhere. And then it would happen like more and more. I remember I had, I told my mom about it. Like Mm -hmm. I was over her house one day and I think I saw it on something at her house. And I'm like, I keep seeing this phrase everywhere. It's so strange. And after I had told her that a couple weeks went by and I went to a friend's house. She had a gift for me for the baby and it was like an outfit. And then I pulled out this wooden, um, like wall art thing. And it was the color, this coral color of, Ellie's room and she did not know that I painted her room that color and uh on it was be still and know that I'm God Mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god like it just hit me I was like what in the heck so I just kind of was like okay well that's strange but whatever (laughs) yeah like yeah I didn't realize the significance of it at that time but but you knew it was that you knew it just kept popping up. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it was so, ev- like, it was so um, much that it was hard to ignore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. But, yeah. So, I'm just going to, I'm going to get into what happened, but I'm not going to tell all the crazy gory details. I've done that in, in other talks, and it's very long and exhausting. But, um, so, November 18th, 2016, I went into labor with our very first girl and after a long and exhausting 24 hours of labor, um, my precious and perfect little girl was born sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um, Ellie Jude did not make it. So November 19th was her actual birth day, but, um, we had lost our girl and, um, so I'm going to need this box really quick. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, when the doctor told me that she was gone, I I really just can't, I can't explain, like, the feeling that came over me because it was, like, all of these things in one. It was, like, I wanted to throw up. I wanted to scream. I wanted to punch something all at the same time. Because you started off at home. You said that mm-hmm. you, were ha- you were having a home birth. Mm-hmm. You had three midwives there. Yeah. And... You said that you heard the heartbeat, but then after a couple of contractions, you were like, something's wrong. Something's yeah. not right. Yep. And the heart had dropped 
twice, you said, and then y'all decided to go. Yeah, within like the matter of minutes. So then you went immediately to the hospital. Yeah, we got there in seven minutes, and um, that's when we got hooked up to the ultrasound machine, and there was no heart Mm -hmm. beat. And, um, you know, I remember the doctor comes in, and she, yeah, she puts her hand on my leg, and she says, like, "I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, the heartbeat's gone. And in that moment, like, all of these feelings were rushing in. And I remember, like, I just wanted to, like, scream. But then yeah. it all went away in the matter of seconds. And I, and it was replaced with, like, this overwhelming feeling of peace and comfort. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget. I Because my husband, like, took off. He, like, threw his hands up over his head like covering his face and then he like took off behind the curtain and it was only like a matter of seven seconds or something. But like during that time when he was gone out of the room, I had this, um, warmth on my left shoulder and I heard the words, it's going to be okay. And like he comes in and I just grabbed his hand and I'm like, it's going to be okay. And I just knew, I just Mm -hmm. knew it was going to be okay. I knew, that the Holy Spirit was with me mm-hmm. right then and there. And I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't cry. Like it mm-hmm. was so crazy because I felt comforted. I felt like I was in a feeling of peace and comfort. It's so, I can't explain it. I really can't put it into words. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. So I feel like the Spirit comes in us. And Jesus will be there with us. That's what that warmth is. Mm -hmm. And either through good times or through passing or very hard times, he'll be there and he'll fill with that comfort. You know, he'll fill that fear and that sadness. Right. And that unknown or that extreme disappointment or loss. Yes. Yeah. Well, he knows, you know, he's there before we get there. And so, and that's what, like I said, you know, earlier what he was preparing me for, but you know, I, the experience was absolutely the most horrific and traumatic thing that I had ever been through. It was the longest And how old were you when you had it? Of my life. How old was I? Uh-huh. <sighs> what was I, 29? 29. Yeah. And you'd been married a year and a half, but you'd been with yeah. him for eight. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I can't really put into words what goes on in a, in a mother when you lose when they, she loses her first child especially right um but there i was holding my baby in my arms and she just looks like a sleeping angel mm-hmm. and um i'm staring at her face and i'm just like waiting for her eyes to open and i just want to hear her cry so bad you know right um and I'm just looking at her and she's just so perfect. And she was so perfect. I mean, I remember even like the doctors and nurses, like couldn't believe how beautiful and perfect her little face was. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, her heart stopped and she was gone. Um, and you know, I was able to spend time with her in the hospital, which was good. I had to be there anyway. I had to be monitored because and this is why I said there's so much detail because um, everything that happened, I actually almost died that day as well. Um, there was actually a point where one of the nurses turned to my sister, turned over to my sister. She was sitting on the bench mm-hmm. and goes, "You need to pray for your sister now." And 
I didn't know that happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My sister had told me like way months and months later. And yeah, it it was, it was bad. Um, Because this was after you went there, you found out the heartbeat and then mm -hmm. you still had to go through 12 hours of labor. Yes. Knowing she was gone. Knowing she was gone. Yeah. And she was in me for 12 hours and it was grueling and pushing and very, very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and because the doctor didn't want to do a C-section um, at that point because uh, there's a lot of blood loss. Yeah. And um, I guess when she kind of explained it better, but, like, when there's a, a baby that's not alive in you, um, there's just a higher chance and of more risk, you know, mm-hmm. that happens. And also she said, you know, going home with a with C-section. With all of that pain. Yeah, yeah. with a C-section, with out a baby yeah she's like you won't recover Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you know like so I took her advice yeah from the and that's another thing like god was that your regular doctor or that was the on call I never had a regular yeah yeah, with my other two I always had an on-call doctor she was an OB I did not get the emergency room doctor Mm -hmm. She, she wasn't even supposed to be there that day I when I like busted through the doors she happened to just stopped by at the hospital, like on her way home from her kid's school, just to do some rounds. And I came in and she took right over and she was with me the rest of the evening. And then the next day she came in at four in the morning to check on me and I was still awake. And she, I'll never forget, she pulls up a seat right next to my bedside and she's like, Hey, I just wanted to, you know, see how you were doing. And she goes, I have to tell you, um, she goes, I, I believe I have a faith life, but watching what you did today, she's like, you restored my hope. Mm. And I'm like, she, you know, she's like, I, I can't even understand what you went through today and how you're still, you know, able. She's like, I, I can see the, um, the faith in you. Mm-hmm. And that just meant so much yeah to hear that but um I think it's I think we've that's so powerful because Jesus didn't come to be served he came to serve and sometimes you know in in Matthew and stuff you'll see how he was so upset when he found out John was was killed and decapitated Mm -hmm. But he didn't get to go off and pray and cry. He had to serve thousands and grieve for them and yeah. grieve with them and serve them. And so it was many hours before he went to go spend time with the father yeah. about his pain. And so that I always, when I run into pain or, or see people in a lot of pain, I kind of think of that because um, it's, it's so hard to put our pain to the side. Yeah. And we get flooded with it and almost like just like a Hawaiian wave just kind of wash over you. But when you see, when other people see that adversity and that Christ shining through us, Mm -hmm. it reminds us like that's, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, um, after I was recovering, I, the, the next day I was still there and I really just, wanted to get the heck out of there, mm-hmm. you know, as oh, much absolutely. as, as much as I wanted to, but I, there was a part of me that wanted to stay because I just knew that leaving there, I was leaving my, my daughter right. forever, 
And um, knowing that I had to leave her, it just my heart just shattered into a million pieces. I remember, I'll never forget, you know, watching her little baby cart be wheeled away mm-hmm. when I was finally saying goodbye mm-hmm. to her. And um, it was just like my heart was being ripped to mm-hmm. shreds. So, you know, I knew going home to that empty house and her empty crib and her room that I worked so hard, you know, to make so perfect. Don't we always work on those firstborn rooms <laughs> oh, and yeah. then the other ones are like, just put Throw them in, them in there. <laughs> just put them in there. Like, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we had to obviously go home. And so um, for weeks, I just was curled up in a ball and just days and nights were all the same. Like, it just, I didn't even know what day it was anymore. <laughs> um, flowers and food and cards and all the things. Did you have a funeral for her? Um, we decided to have her cremated. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I couldn't. It was crazy because we had to, um, the day after she died, we had to plan all that before yeah. we left the hospital. They wouldn't let us leave until we decided all of these things. So I'm like, I don't want to bury my like baby right now. Um, so we decided to have her cremated. And then we had like a little memorial mm-hmm. at our house. And we invited family, just close, just like our immediate family. And yeah. That was it. So um, it was beautiful. It really was. My husband talked, and I said something. I don't even remember what I said. Those days go by so quick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's surreal. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. You know, it's like I remember. I'm sure there was a lot that went on that I don't remember. But um, everything just kind of gets blurry at some point. But, Mm -hmm. You know, I was fading really quickly with everything, and my husband was getting really nervous because I was sinking into a mm-hmm. very deep, dark place and um, just starting to not believe in God and all these things. And uh, my husband begged me to get counseling, and I did not want to go. It was our church offered it, mm-hmm. and I did not want to go. So um, I fought him on it really hard until... One day, it was the first day I was home by myself, um, he had to leave for work because he had took like a month and a half off or something. Mm -hmm. So I mustered up the courage to go down the hall and go into my daughter's room for the first time. And when I opened up the door, there's that sign. They still know that I'm God staring me in the face. And I just fell to my knees and just cried, you know, mm-hmm. and just said, help me. Cause I was in such a, such a hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you think of death yourself, you think of, yeah, you start going down this darkness and, Oh, does the darkness want to pull us in? Yeah. Does the darkness want to try being to pulled in. put any shade as quickly as possible over you because they don't want you to remember what the light can bring. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, um, you know, he he picked me up and he led me to agree to get counseling. And so I did. I met with my pastor. And then my pastor, um, he was wonderful. And <clears throat> he helped my husband and I tremendously. And then he recommended this ministry called Grief Share. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of churches offer it. And uh, our church did. Mm-hmm. It's 13 weeks. And it 
was such a game changer going there. I mean, my faith was starting to be restored and my hope and I was, um, I felt being filled back up by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so many crazy things happened that I really, I, the only explanation is God and how faithful he is. Um, he never left me. (laughs) Um, never, no, no matter how much we try to hurt ourselves or how much we try to you know, um, anchor ourselves deep and deep into the darkness of the ocean. I kind of like when I get depressed sometimes or sad, I kind of, my mind will try to take me to the deepest part. Yeah, Like in a visual, like I'm a very visual thinker, a very visual person. And when I just feel like darkness, it just is like, it's almost like you just start sinking into the Mm -hmm. deepest part of the sea and you feel that pressure and it's like, you got to let that go. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and it, it is so being... hard to let that go. Definitely when you've had a loss that you'll carry with you forever. Yeah. Or, or, or some type of incident that was just so traumatic. Even when you think about it, it just kind of makes you just kind of mm-hmm. twitch a little bit or, you know, you just feel it. You feel that. Feel it coming you feel back. Those, you feel it coming back really mm-hmm. quick. And you're like, no, I'm not going to hold on to that. Right. Yeah. And as much as I tried to fight God off from saving me. He just kept coming back. Like he was like, I'm not letting you fall here. Um, and you know, like to, when you think about that day and everything that I went through, like the only reason I was able to have any type of strength or peace was because of God, you Mm -hmm. know, like who, how, how else do you explain that? Yeah. Having to, having to deliver a baby that is not alive inside of you, you know, um, and having the strength to do that. And cause there's no help from that baby. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a long time of pushing and, and with my first, I had no idea what to expect, you right. know? Um, but he, you know, he literally kept chasing after me and he pulled me out of the depths of my just complete loneliness and mm-hmm. darkness. Cause it is such a lonely feeling. It is. And this is why I do my ministry because... Because people will cringe you up. I've met quite a few women yeah. that have lost multiple kids like that. Yeah. And One people woman go I know lost this. three children, but they were in incubators Ugh. and then passed days later. And it was just... Do you know how many women go through this that don't talk about it? Because no. they don't know that other women go through it. Yeah. You know, and that's why I, like part of my ministry is I want to be as real and raw and transparent as possible because like, hey... This is a real thing. This happens. And like, yep. let's, let's have an awareness of this so we can have help when someone else goes through it. And if you didn't go through it, I'm sure you know someone that has gone through it yep. or miscarried or is struggling with infertility, you know, any of that. It's such like a secret, you know, place that no one wants to talk about for right. some reason. And I do. <laughs> and we, but we need to as women because right now our identity as women and women in Christ is trying to be chiseled away yeah. by the world, by the enemy. You know, they're trying to take what's so special um, about us that God yes. gave us. hundred percent. And just trying to just roll it off like we're all the same people. Mm-hmm. Like man and woman are the same. We're not the same. No. God never made us to be the same person. No. We're different beings. Exactly. Nothing's ever going to change that. We can try to live in a delusional world and use pronouns, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna change the fact that 
No. Only a woman will know what it is to carry a life and to push that life or to have that life cut out of them. Yep. Or to have that life come out and that they don't get to bring it home. They don't, they don't get to have that child with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And um, it's that. only women that feel that. I know a woman that had 19 miscarriages before she had her one daughter. Oh, wow. 19. And she just kept the faith. That's amazing. And I, we were talking about it. We were both going through fertility things at the same time before I had my daughter. It was before I left Virginia. And I was sitting in her office and she was telling me, and this woman, like you said, like the faith, the hope that she had, Mm -hmm. you know, she just kept going. Wow. And she's like, I'm going to, I'm getting older now. And I got to, I have the, she worked at a hospital. She's like, I have one opportunity with a doctor that thinks he can help me and cut out half of my uterus. And because that's what's causing the problem of me miscarrying and I'm going to, that's a very experimental type thing. You know, it's not done to a lot of people, but I'm going to take that leap of faith with God. And she Mm -hmm. had her one daughter. She got pregnant with her daughter five months after I, when I was pregnant with my first. Oh my gosh. And we had moved to Texas and and I just, I felt such a, I thought, Oh my God, God is real. Cause that's when I started following Christ and I was very young in my walk with him. And just Mm -hmm. here, I was like, Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, I stopped in my tracks when my husband told me. Like, I was just shocked. I just started praying to God. I'm praising and worshiping probably for one of the first times in my life. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So to see when you see women go through so much pain, it is so important for this to get out. Mm -hmm. Because people will hide their darkness and their sadness. Mm -hmm. Or feel like there's no one else out there that has lived it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And lived through it to come out of it. Right. Because you have two beautiful sons now. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's where, you know, God's faithfulness is just so amazing. Because I prayed. I actually got pregnant three months after I lost Ellie. I got pregnant again. And um, and it's funny, too, because I started to restore my hope. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I got pregnant. And that was Marco. And he was born two days before Ellie would have turned one. Mm. And God gave me a baby to hold on Ellie's first birthday. Right. So and you like, weren't. Yeah. You weren't I mean, childless. What is that? Yes. You know, like I just. And then we took some time off because I was pregnant basically for two years, and right. then um, then had Enrico, and I prayed and prayed, you know, for another baby. Um, I I did. Uh, I will say selfishly, I prayed that both of those were girls, but God gave me two boys because he knows more than I do. So he's obviously knows that I needed them. When you do get that girl, (laughs) no matter how she, he brings her, he's that little girl is going to have two protectors. Oh yes. Oh, I'm so waiting for her. Yeah. Yeah. I know they totally will be. Um, you know, it's like, it's crazy too, because when you're going through all this, it's not always easy to remember his faithfulness. Um, you know, he was faithful when he gave me more children. Um, cause I literally went from, you know, losing all hope in him, mm-hmm. um, to, well, he was, I, I knew he was with me the day of losing Ellie. And then days later I lost all hope. Like we all go through that, you yeah. know? Um, and he was with me time after time, every time I fell, pulling me back up, restoring my faith. There's just no other explanation. But how many times does God do something in our life where um, he shows us that, you know, he's, he's there mm. and then 
we turn around and we doubt him (laughs) the very next day. All the time. Exactly. I mean, we learned that from scripture. God literally led the people out of Egypt, literally split the Red Sea in Exodus 17, 17. And later... I think it was like weeks, maybe like a week later, they're they complaining to turn and back doubting again. him. Yeah. <laughs> like they watched the sea split and then they're doubting, like, is God with, are you with us anymore? Like, and we all have those, it, those moments that mm-hmm. we can relate to the Israelites though. Like, is God with us here? And I know I went through that a lot during all of this. Um, because the doubt is easy, especially yes. when you are in those seasons of waiting, when you're like, come on, God. You know, mm-hmm. you said, ask and you shall receive, but I'm not receiving. Right. I'm not getting that reward. You know, we're always so concerned about the reward because we, especially in this culture, we live in microwave society and we want what we want now because we think what we want is best for us. Yeah. And we're not realizing like God does promise, promise us rewards, mm-hmm. but it's not always about the reward to God. A lot of times it's about the journey. Yeah. And that journey actually is the reward if we step back and see. Mm-hmm. And that is the victory that that he has for us. But so many times when we're going through those trials, what do we do? We're, we're testing God. Mm-hmm. But testing God is not trusting God. Right. And that's what we have to remember when we're going through it. Like, we have to put our full trust. We're not supposed to be testing him. He knows a lot more than we do. You know, he right. created us. Right. So, um... I, Our names are already on his hand. Exactly. I mean, it says it in scripture. It's there. Yeah. yeah. And there's a story that I learned from in the Bible, and I, I knew it was always there, but I didn't really put any significance until my pastor did a talk on it. This was like, I don't know, a few months ago. But um, it's Hannah's story, and it's mm. in First Samuel chapters yep. 1 and 2. And when he talks about Hannah... Um, Hannah's story is a reminder of how God uses the broken ones for the greater good. And I love how the text does not hide Hannah's pain of what she goes through. I mean, it just reveals it all. It, she, she tirelessly, you know, struggles through praying for a son. That's yes. all she wants, begging and praying tirelessly to God. And, um, you know, circumstantially, she could have been the one to curse, you know, or cuss God out or whatever, because everything that was going on, like her husband's other wife, (laughs) because that was a thing, was like having a million children over here. And she's like basically barren, you know, and all she wants is one son. And she could have been saying like, yes, God, I know you're the only one that can do this, but you're not doing this and could have been doubting, doubting, doubting. But instead she does literally the complete opposite and throws her whole heart into God and just gives everything to him and goes up to the high priest and is just on the floor praying and basically promising God, if you give me a son, I will, I will give this son up to you and raise this son up with you, the Lord, after he is weaned. And she makes this promise and then keeps this promise. He finally gives her a son and she gives him up to the Lord. Like, you know, because, and so this other, this priest raises the son after he's weaned, and that's Samuel, you know? And obviously she didn't know God's plan and all that. And, um, but God kept his promise to her. She kept her promise to God and God, because she didn't test him. She trusted him. Mm -hmm. And then God kept his promise to her and gave her more children. And I'm just like, you know, I learned so much from that story because she just kept the faith in him 
And it's just, you know, it's awesome because you're never wrong to hope in God because at any moment he can flip the script. Yeah. So when I gained my hope back in, in the Lord, I, I got pregnant with Marco and mm-hmm. then Enrico, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's crazy, but, um, and they my, sound like they're having a lot of fun and have a lot of life in them because uh, when the one-year-old locked me out in the garage just oh a few gosh, days ago, I, I heard them in the background when I was talking to you. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that picture. It was a <sighs> yes. Oh my gosh. You're like, got in. <laughs> I see. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Quick story. You know, God works. I'm sitting over here trying to grow this ministry, just holding on. It's just like, God, is this what you want me to do? And then he's putting people in front of me. He's like, I, I need their stories out. And I'm just, I'm overwhelmed right now because we're, we're still trying to figure out if how my husband's going to leave his job because he's being pushed out because of the mandate and what are we going to do? And he left this week and I go to put the three-year-old on the bus to go to her little speech class in the afternoon. And the one-year-old walks over and locks me out through the child lock thing in the garage and (laughs) got the three-month-old to sleep in the bassinet on the tile floor in the living room. And I'm thinking to myself, this just isn't good. He's an hour away. The key that I found doesn't work. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to kick the door open. And I just, Sarah Connor, two kicks and it's in. I'm like, geez, that was really easy. I'm kind of... Kind of sad that my house wasn't, you know, I feel like it just made out of cardboard. You know, who yeah. built this? Was this the piggy with the little sticks? Because that's what it felt. Because my one get in your house on the floor going, oh, looking at it. So. Oh, my gosh. But we do, you know, we've, we've come to serve. And mm-hmm. no matter how wild that looks, we just got to keep going, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's, it, you know, the things we go through in life, it's like you think, okay, I went through something that was the worst possible thing. Okay, I'm good. Like, you know, like yeah. nothing else bad is going to happen. We just have these right. thoughts. And, you know, even though our God is a God of mercy and strength and holiness and, and gives us all of these things, we have to learn to lean on him through everything, the good and the bad, mm-hmm. because... If we don't, whatever else we lean on is going to crumble because nothing else besides God is strong enough to to hold to withhold what we go through in this life. Yeah. And um we have to be careful though about how we view that because we ask God for the things we want. Mm-hmm. But like I said earlier, especially in our culture, we kind of view God as a vending machine and we right. think we know Okay, this is our time. Like, like for I do the same thing. I want a girl so bad. I'm like, okay, God, like I'm ready. Okay, like where? Why am I not getting pregnant here? Like, where's this girl that I'm supposed to have? But like, it, God doesn't work off of our timeline. No. So, and sometimes if we sit still, mm-hmm. right? Like he said, he said, sit still in me. Mm-hmm. Because if we feel like we're walking around with this anxiety right. or anxiousness, usually that's the enemy just trying to take our joy away and, right. and still what's in front of us. So like right now you have these beautiful little boys that are small mm-hmm. and won't be so small in the next, you know, after the next few years. And yeah. so, you know, you always want to remind yourself, like, let me not sit there and hang my hat on what I don't have yet. Right. And let me enjoy what I, what have, I have, what I have now. And eventually 100%. God will bring that other thing to me. Oh yeah, definitely. When he knows I'm ready. Cause mm-hmm. for some reason he, I'm not ready yet. Right. And I've had a plenty of moments where I've 
tears over my Bible. You know, it's usually in Proverbs. You turn in Proverbs, I have my, the pages are just wrinkled almost because Mm -hmm. of tears pouring down. Yeah. And praying and stuff. And I have to learn that too. Yeah. God, I'm God. Sit still. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because his timing is perfect. And it usually doesn't align with ours. (laughs) I feel like that's maybe one of the biggest things we're here on earth to Mm -hmm. learn as a human before we go on to the next consciousness when our breath of God is returned to him for judgment and for, you know, and to to enter heaven. Yeah. Um, I just really feel like we're just here to really learn how to sit still and to trust and to have faith no matter how hard it, you know, if it's painful, physically painful, leaving this world for us. Yeah. He's going to be there waiting. Yeah. And we shouldn't be scared about it and we shouldn't hold on to that pain and think that's all there is. Right. Yeah, and it can be hard, you know. Oh I'm, gosh, yes. This all all of uh, last year, my husband and I had been trying to get pregnant because, like I said, I want a girl, and I thought I'm ready, you know, me with my control freakness. <laughs> um, and after ten months of trying, which was kind of like in itself a struggle, because I was always blessed to be able to get pregnant right away with mm-hmm. Ellie, with Marco, and with Enrico. Like as soon as I tried, I was able to get pregnant. And now here's like month after month. And I'm like, what is going on? And I had a chemical pregnancy in there. And then I was able to finally get pregnant after 10 months. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, so excited. This was just this past summer. And um, after, I don't know, a couple, I I felt fine. I felt, you know, my normal sickness and everything. But I went into my um, 12-week ultrasound and we found out that we lost the baby again. The heart stopped. And this was at this, I thought it was like just out of the first trimester, you know, I'm like, okay, good. I'm going to start feeling better. And, and I got that news and, um, you know, we had the DNC the next day, which is just, oh, to go through that is so awful. You, it's so, it's again, another, just such a lonely feeling. Cause you, you go to sleep, they put you under mm-hmm. and you wake up knowing your womb is empty, knowing you're going home again without a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's just so dark and lonely. And mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I was able to be a lot stronger this time, you know. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to heal. I'm going to try again when the time is right. So weeks went on, and I thought I was in the healing process. Well, um, I this was four weeks after my DNC, and I walked into this Moms of Preschoolers MOPS meeting, mm-hmm. and I had my boys on each, you know, I was holding their hands on each side, was ready to register them, and uh, I felt this feeling like my water just broke, and I'm like, what was that? Right. And I just stopped dead in my tracks, mm-hmm. and I felt my pants, mm-hmm. and like I look at my hand, and I'm it's covered in blood, mm. and I'm like, holy, holy, holy mo, like what is going on? So right. I just ran to the bathroom with the boys, and I just threw them my purse. I'm like, get into whatever you can, occupy yourself, and I go into the stall, and I'm like, I'm hemorrhaging, all over the place. Oh my gosh! And so I had to like wrap my jacket around my waist, and I run into this room of. Mind you, this was my very first MOPS meeting right in Ohio <laughs> because of where we had to live mm-hmm. for last, a little bit of last year. And I know nobody. 
So my husband's two hours away at a meeting. I know I don't have babysitters for my kids and I don't know anyone. I was joining this group to like get to know people in the area. Right. And so I'm like, hi, I'm Brittany. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm bleeding everywhere. Like I'm dying in the bathroom. Like (laughs) I'm dying in the bathroom. You know? And so the, oh my gosh. I mean, it was so amazing. These wonderful women, there was a couple nurses. They were like, honey, you're hemorrhaging. You, I, I'm bringing you to the hospital now. I'm like, mm-hmm. so one of the women took me, another woman took my kids like for the whole day. Right. <laughs> and I didn't even like care that I didn't know anyone because yeah. I was so freaked out. Um, and then the one woman sat with me until my husband was able to get there and oh my gosh, long, long day hours, hours, it was like 10 hours of being at the hospital, of testing and ultrasounds and all this stuff, and come to find out that there was some material left in my uterus mm-hmm. from the previous DNC, and there was a membrane that was feeding this material, and it was basically telling my body I was still pregnant. Mm. So all this time, I thought I was healing, but I, you know what's it so It felt like a setback. Is, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And like, Lost time lost that you thought you were time. already healing. I'm exactly. so like that. I'm like, yes. I got to get this done. I have these five, these minutes to this thing, and then I got to go into the next. And I have these plans in my mm-hmm. mind where, you know, in a week or two, this is what I'm going to accomplish. And yes. yes, exactly. And I'm like, holy, like I was so, I was more mad about that <laughs> the yeah. last time because I'm like, man, four weeks. Right. Like to any woman that's that has a whole gone cycle. through this, that yes, yes, that's an entire I'm thinking, cycle. I'm like, gonna that's get like, a whole menstrual cycle here soon. Right. Like you know, nope. So I had to get another DNC that day, and I had to be awake for it because I had like eaten that day. They couldn't put me out, and um, it was horrifying. Mm. It, and it brought so much PTSD back from Ellie, and there was just so much that had gone on, but. Um, Obviously, we don't know why any of this stuff happens, but what I do know is God has a bigger uh, purpose. Life is fragile and precious. Yeah. I mean, he's always faithful to his Mm, promises. Yes. And um, that's what I clung to. And, you know, it's... It sucks really because I was pregnant along with a couple of my girlfriends Mm -hmm. and we all have like kind of the same due date. In fact, I was supposed to be due in like a couple weeks from right now with mm-hmm. this baby I just yeah. lost. And um, so they're like all due around now. But um, watching their bellies grow and watching them prepare, like obviously I am so happy for them. Truly, truly, I'm very happy for them. But like there's still that sting. So it's a human instinct to yeah, say why not me. Yeah, and it's me? just like such like, oh, like just that gut-wrenching like, oh, you know. Um, and then... So it, it had been a tough time, like October and then November is Ellie's birthday and knowing that was coming around the corner. So my brother calls me out of nowhere and and little side note on him, he is in Indiana right now and he's staying at the, he's a resident at the Faith uh, Restoration Ministry for Men at mm-hmm. Lafayette um, Faith Church. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of it. No. Uh-uh. It's an amazing ministry. So I'm not going to tell his story. That's his story to tell, but... He had a really long, rough patch and um, got into, you know, some things. And I prayed for the last three years. As soon as I found out about this place, I prayed for three years solid that he would go and get his life back and know God mm-hmm. and turn his life around with the spirit of God in him because he did not have any God. I mean, he had 
the opposite in him. Right. And um, he finally, in August, agreed to go. And he calls me now and he quotes Bible verses and he talks about this and we go over his notes and he's learning so much. I mean, he, he called me one day crying that he accepted the Holy Spirit in his heart and like he's accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and all. And I'm like, to hear him say it, like if you knew him before, it's a miracle. Night and day. It's a miracle. It's literally someone that came out of the cave that was not yes. seeing the light at all. Yes. And somehow they made it out of the dark through our prayers. That's yep. how it works. I keep trying to tell myself that, remind yeah. myself. And it, what's crazy is how full circle. So I prayed for him for years, right? Well, when he calls me this day, like beginning of November, he could tell there was something wrong. And I just told him, like, I'm just down about everything with my fertility and all this stuff. And, um, he goes, you know, I met a guy here that has a daughter and the daughter wrote a book on what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay. You know, he's like, I'm going to send it to you. And I'm thinking like, okay, whatever. And honestly, I wasn't even really interested in reading another book from someone else's story because like in my head, I'm like, I don't care about anyone else's story. (laughs) Like just to be honest, like that's just kind of where my thought process was. I love to read. I read a couple books a month Mm -hmm. and uh, usually they're, they're uh, Christian books. Um, but I had no interest and you know what? A couple weeks later it came and I set it aside. I was reading two other books at the time and I'm like, I'm too busy to read that. I'll get to it eventually. And like a day went by and something made me pick that book up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I literally go, I'm going to read like one chapter just to like appease my brother if he asks me or whatever. And I finished it in four days. I could not put it down. Mm -hmm. I ended up contacting the author because (laughs) I was like, I feel like I know you, like you said exactly what I go through. You know, like I feel so connected, blah, blah, blah. So she goes, let's, let's connect. Let's FaceTime. So we scheduled a day to do that. And we talked for two hours and it was like, we knew each other. And it, it, the book is called The Secret Club mm-hmm. and Brianna Lindenmeyer is the author. And so anyway, um, it was just, a, her book helped me so much and it came at the right time and how crazy. So listen to this so crazy story. So as I'm like preparing this talk that I'm doing right now, right. I'm like, I get to this part with Brianna and I'm like, I wonder when she sent me that book. So I texted her mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, do you have access to like your shipping information and all that? Like, do you know when you sent me that book? I didn't tell her why or anything. And, um, she's goes, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you. So I have to read you what she texted me really quick. I oh, have it absolutely. She goes, dad told me November 19th. Hmm. I printed the label on 1120, shipped it 1120. It arrived to you on 1127. And November 19th is is Ellie's Ellie's birthday. birthday. Yeah. And that's when the dad told her. And what's even crazier is my brother was like, just like in passing, kind of like, hey, my sister, da, da, da. And then the dad gets home from restoration, gets off the plane. This is what Brianna had told me gets off the plane and says to Brianna, here's this girl's name and address. She needs your book. Hmm. And she sent it on Ellie's birthday. Yeah. Like how nuts yeah. is that? Just another. That's how God works. Way of God yeah. working, you know? Um, so anyways, it, it was just crazy because 
going through that slump period of the DNCs and like being down and everything, after reading her book, it made me cling to God's word even more. And he is leading me through it. And, and after that, I just felt like this new spirit come over me. And I want to quote something from her book because it just spoke to me so much. She said, if you are seeking him and reading his word, he will not let you miss his plan. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't be sulking in like what I don't have right now. I need to be seeking him and he's not going to let me miss what he has in store. So... Anyways, yeah, this is my journey, and I'm still on it. Apparently, it's just right. going to keep going, and we're still trying to get pregnant, and we still pray, and obviously, I'm grateful for what I have, and um, I'm great- And April's when you're going to the fertility doctor. Yes, yes. And April is my birthday, oh, Tim's really? birthday, and my last third girl's birthday, so oh, maybe... All right. We got some good luck there. We got five, <laughs> the ninth, the 21st, yes. so maybe one of those days, maybe something will happen. I, I hope. Yeah. I hope. So that's um, that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, I'm grateful to know that God is working in my life because I know He is, and that's that's who He is. He works in us and through us and with us throughout human history. And He's not. It has been uh, very evident in the book of the in the Bible. And what was history. this like woman's um, book again? Oh, The Secret Club. The Secret Club. And yeah. what was her name? Brianna Lindenmeyer. Lindenmeyer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Just so, in case someone wants to grab that book, yeah. Along with oh my gosh, I. The, I mean, the main book is the Bible, and yes. I heard, I heard someone say, I think it was Jordan Peterson say this other day. He goes, every story or every book throughout history has stemmed from the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, all the original stories. If you think about it, the Bible's not just one book; it's a bunch of books. And if you think about testimonial, Old Testament, New Testament, Testament, test. Right. Mm-hmm. Testing. Mm-hmm. Testimonial. And and I just found like all these different people, all these different scenarios, you still read it today and they're still valuable to our walk in life today. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't skip a beat at all. You don't look at it and be like, Oh, well that doesn't apply today. Right. No, it sure does. You oh, one hundred percent. It applies even more today. Than it yes. ever has, and if you read, if you if people actually took the time to sit and read the stories of the Bible, they would see how parallel mm. so many of the things are to especially what's going on right now. Yes, so much. Yeah, but um, you know, I'm just so grateful that I was able to share. I really do. My hope is in my ministry as well as you know, anytime I talk um, for my ministry is to just restore the hope in people and, um, help them come to Christ and just, just lay their burdens down, you know, at the foot of the cross. That's, that's what this is all about. And because no matter Jesus what is wrong, life. whatever anybody says, Oh, this is what's wrong with you, or this is what your diagnosis is, or this is right. the, you know, the world tells you, this is just your walk. You're going to have to right. mm-hmm. sometimes. And I say a lot of times, I honestly say a lot of times, I just say sometimes because sometimes people will lose faith. And mm-hmm. he always says, if you don't have faith, you know, like he says in James, then you, you're not going to be given this gift. But I don't really, I don't really hang on that because right. I feel like that right there really kind of tries to bring people down. I've really just been the past year and a half living in Matthew and the four gospels. And oh, when you Matthew. listen to Matthew and Jesus mm-hmm. is all over there pouring love, yeah. you know, he will come and deliver. It may not look the way that we 
in our minds what we think it's going to look like. Exactly. But a lot of times it's so much better because we cherish how precious it is mm-hmm. and how what that journey Right. Yeah. You said the journey, what, what, what that journey was to get there to the end. And so, you know, I feel that it'll definitely happen, happen for you. Thank you. And, um, we, you know, you just got to keep praying and what a beautiful ministry, right? Because you're serving, yeah. you're serving Christ and, yeah. and putting Christ in front of, and we pray for those supernatural healings those supernatural miracles those supernatural, and he'll touch us with them. Right. And they won't make sense to us or other people. Right. And sometimes they kind of make other people shake because they're like, I don't, that makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. You make me nervous. You know, <laughs> I hear that a lot when I meet people like, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, I know. I know exactly. Yep. So. But I just want to thank you so much for, for coming. Yeah. So Britt, um, your ministry, the heartbeat of hope, how, how can people find this if they want to connect with you or connect with your ministry or get further information, you know, or just be like, I heard this and Mm -hmm. I just want to tell you how much has changed my, my view of my situation. Definitely. Um, I have a uh, blog and it's just the heartbeat of hope. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just on my Instagram, I Mm -hmm. use that for a lot of my, um, talks and different things that I do through my ministry. And my, my, I used to have the heartbeat of hope Instagram uh, name, mm-hmm. but now it's just my name, so I'm more relatable. So it's just Britt Moscone with two T's. <laughs> yeah, Britt Moscone. B R I T T M O S C O N E. Yep. But um, yeah, so that's basically it. And then um, I do I do go around to different churches and things like that, and and women's groups, and I speak about this. And it's always a different um, topic. Like mm-hmm. at the Rock, I did my entire like detailed story, and that's. That's actually on Facebook Live still, but um, but yeah. So basically, my Instagram is like how I can be contacted. That's so. wonderful. Yes, thank you so much for for coming and sharing your beautiful story and your journey. You know, still on the path of God. We're still on that path till that last breath. And um, one thing I heard um, Billy Graham say one day he goes, "I want to learn until the last day of my life." Mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful to hear because. How else can we grow to help other people or serve if mm-hmm. we're not looking and seeking, like you right. said, right? We always got to seek. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just going to close in prayer yeah, real definitely. quick because I just thought this was so beautiful. Thank you. God, I just thank you so much for bringing Britt and just sharing her story with us and how God brought her through and how brought her closer to Christ. And we just ask that you just let this testimony just wash over those. And even if they can't relate, if they're, you know, a man or they haven't walked this path before to just see how glory, gloryful your love is and how trustworthy you are and how you are the comforter and god we just ask that you just fill this world and pull those out that are in the shade or in the dark and we just ask that you just fill them with jesus hope and trust and the light in jesus name we pray all of this amen amen thank Thank you you so much this is amanda mendoza hawkins the tex-mex at the northern border god bless